do you want to tell the audience about your new uh your new role in an upcoming web series not that's not played by year not yet no do you don't want to mention that yet i haven't done it yet i gotta okay. do it first you know before you just start you know promoting it and stuff yeah but to not to spoil it but i am the replacement for henry cavill on the witcher netflix series <laughs> i thought that was liam hemsworth yeah, they they kicked they kicked him out after I sent my audition tape a little late. You have a bit of a Liam Hemsworth vibe, like not the cheating. I don't like part. that at all. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> He's terrible. That's like when someone says you look like a Joe Rogan listener. I don't I don't know if I appreciate that. That just doesn't sound like what I want to look like. It's like someone, uh, what my my old roommate in Australia said. People said he looked like Mark Wahlberg, and I was like, "Dude, you look nothing like Mark Wahlberg." You don't want to look like Mark Wahlberg either. I hate it when like we went skiing recently, and Dom and my friend Aton saw this guy that they said looked exactly like me, but that dude was super ugly, and I get so offended. Like, I've gotten Ed Sheeran before. I get always like it's always some person that's not very good looking. I'm like, is that really what I look like to all you guys? That's so sad. I know. I I get like. <laughs> I've gotten, obviously, I've gotten Macklemore so many times. Um, that wouldn't make sense, yeah. And then I've also gotten um, Lucas Black. Lucas Black, who's that? He's the main guy in Tokyo Drift. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> if you had, if, if if someone squeezed his head a little bit, you have a bit of a narrower head yeah. than he does. He's got like, <laughs> he looks like uh, if he if you were a Lego, you would be Lucas if Black. helium was sifting around my head, I look like. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I've been told Vin Diesel. No, just kidding. I've Paul Walker. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The, le- the most asexual A-list celebrity ever. Exactly. You know what Hayden Christensen gets a lot? You look just like Ashton Kutcher. It is weird that he does. They like, look so similar now. Now he does. Yeah. Before, I'd be like, you're out of your mind. There's a type of person that ages in their 40s where like they went from being like looking so young for so long that now in their 40s, they start to like try, they start to transition between an older person and still that young look. So their hair looks the same and like they're still skinny but their wrinkles are just more pronounced. That's what like Ashton Kutcher and Hayden Christensen look like to me. Cause mm, even in this yeah. movie outcast, he still looks so young, even though he's like 33, 34, right? He looks, he could basically be playing the exact same Anakin and I wouldn't have been able to tell the age difference. Yeah. And then they did the Obi-Wan show and they tried to make him look like a 19 year old, 10 years too late. And it's just God awful. The, the truly there really has been many times where de-aging has been pulled off in my opinion. Like it's one of those where like it, it works enough. Like, sure. They look younger, but it's just so obvious that you did that. Yeah. It was unfortunate. I saw some guy on Instagram who de-aged Hayden Christensen just for fun and did a better job at it than they did in there. Like they almost didn't do enough for me, but also you have, sometimes I do too much like an it part two at the defend Wolfhard. Oh like, no, dude! I could not tell that at all. I thought that was great. Oh, I, I knew it. Imme- no, I knew it immediately. They made him look. They made him look younger than how he looked in part one. 
they just squeezed his face so I, much. Honestly, I, I need to Google that because I, I remember thinking that was flawless. Um, but the problem I had with the Obi-Wan show um, was that they had so much more material to pull from, like, of Anakin and Obi-Wan's life. You know what I mean? Like, why would you choose that when he was 19? Like, why not when his hair was shaggier and he was like 22 and a hardened veteran or some shit? I would have believed it easier than you making him a fucking teenager. They didn't even have the balls to do that in The Irishman. You started it when he's in his 20s and he's a hardened battle warrior. They didn't make Robert De Niro 12. That, no, that would have been funny. I would have actually left. Actually, you know what? That would be a whole new brand of movies where like we do Home Alones, but now we cast Joe Pesci as the little kid. <laughs> and he has to do all his stunts. Yeah. Dude, I think this looks pretty good. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm showing you right now. Oh, you denied screen sharing. Yeah, for this exact reason. So I'm right. Oh, you. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm sending uh, it in the chat. But I, I think thinking about a little more, what really gave it away for me is what they did. It's his glasses. They just made it made. They made his glasses more like Coke bodily and his eyes were bigger. And that's to me what made him look really weird. I don't know, dude. He, they made him look. They, they just made him look a little more boyish than what he was. I don't know. I think that's pretty close. But you see the glasses of their his eyes are huge. Yeah, but his eyes are also huge in chapter one. But not really, not in the know. same way. It's more like the glasses are smaller on his face in chapter one. And this one, they're bigger and they made his eyes bigger because of it. Yeah, so a bit more campy. But if you if you take out two and you just look at one, like his eyes still look huge. It's the glasses reflecting his eyes to make him look bigger. I don't know. I think that's pretty goddamn close. Versus if I look like, let's look up Anakin ones. If uh, just so the audience knows, this movie that we were supposed to talk about today is a real, real piece of shit. So, I mean... We're probably going to go off a lot of tangents. I, I cleaned a pair of sneakers while watching it because I needed something interesting to do while getting it through was, it. it. There was very few redeeming qualities, a couple redeeming qualities, but very few redeeming qualities and many, many funny qualities. Um, God. But yeah, I think it's really funny that we have a film podcast that started out as true reviewing of films. And now it's become more like we have a film topic of the week that we just don't even talk about. Well, it's like always sunny. Yeah, it's our new thing. Their we're podcast, just off track. They were trying to break it down, and then they get sidetracked by promoting Athletic Greens. We, yeah, we're not so lucky to be sponsored by them yet. But I will say that, like, we started out pretty strong with this podcast, doing some deep dive analysis. Maybe we should invite Luis or Simon back to get us back on track. But for these two weeks, <laughs> we can promise you the movies we decided to watch were pretty bad. Life is a house is something that you could definitely watch. This one, you cannot watch it. No. I, bar I was barely able to watch it. Yeah, this one was this one was something else. It had the most nauseating editing I think I've ever seen in a film. It like it's, hurt my head. Yeah, I agree. The the editing was just so choppy and it almost felt like they did it on a camcorder. Uh I mean, I didn't think that. I just thought they cut way too many times. Like there would be one scene of them like crouched down hiding from people and you get like eight cuts within 30 seconds of them assessing and deciding what to do. 
Hundred percent. I can. And then the fight agree. scenes were terribly edited. All the Dutch angles they did was killing my eyes. <laughs> the only redeeming quality of the entire thing, by the way, I cannot find a photo of um, of Anakin like as he was, and then Anakin like in the as in he the is. show in the show but i did find a clip of someone who de-aged him versus what they did in the show and i have to say like yeah the de-aging was just 10 times better if they had actually gone for it the problem was his neck they did not do enough to this man's neck meaning like his neck looks old his oh neck yeah looks... I, I just saw a picture oh you my see god what I, yeah you see a, what i mean that's 40 years right there that's like they could have just gone a little bit more hardcore with the de-aging and i would have been totally okay with it and it would have looked better. They could have just had a, a chip bag clip on the back of his neck, pulling yeah. it back. Yeah, or like that that Instagram tape I see that like tapes them younger. Exactly. My, my girlfriend actually believed that was real. I thought that was funny. Uh, uh, what was I? Or like, no, she didn't believe it was real. She believed that people were actually trying to promote that. Whereas I was like, I'm pretty sure that they're kidding, but maybe she's right. I have no idea. <laughs> um, but so the only redeeming quality of this entire movie to me was the outrageous performance by Nick Cage. It's oh just outrageous. His, it's, his accent was is, ridiculous. It was as bad as if someone decided, let's make a movie about British people. Oh, no, no, no. I got the best comparison. It would have been as bad if Guy Ritchie wanted to make The Gentleman, but he decided to make Matthew McConaughey British instead of an expat living in England because Matthew McConaughey is such a staple piece of American or Americana that if you just tried to tell me he was British, I would never believe it. And just the the idea of him doing a British accent would be too ridiculous. And that's this. It was like Nick Cage is just so American that they should never have even had him try this insane accent. Well, his best line was what? Like, it's enough black guards like uh, flies on, on a pig's oh, fart. Or what was oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh... It was something like that, like yeah. flies around a pig's fart. Yeah, it was insane. That one. No, an ass's fart that, or something. That and his announcement of needing to piss. I'll have to piss. <laughs> it was the way, so, and then his laugh. <laughs> it was so unbelievably bad. It's a wonder. It's a wonder to me that he actually did any movies this terribly. Because like everybody knows his bad movies, right? Like. We all heard of like those drive angry movies, Ghost Rider, um, all those like ones that were kind of just sort of blockbustery, but just terrible. This is some Bruce Willis director DVD bullshit. But that's like, that's his MO is like, he does, he does like 18 of these movies in a year. And then he does like one to two actually good movies worth watching that came out of nowhere. Well, say... Don't say he's not prolific, I guess. He does so much. But this movie was so, yeah, it's just unbearable. It's impossible to watch. I, I didn't even pay attention to the story, and I still got the gist of what was going on. <laughs> um, yeah. I would say the only redeeming quality, the only thing that was like, okay, was Hayden Christensen clearly has some like swordsmanship chops due, oh, yeah. to, his due to his time as a Jedi like his scenes in the like the sword fighting is actually pretty believable, but they just destroy it with the editing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I I saw so much so much Anakin in him. 
during, yeah. the, during all those scenes, but it was hard to fucking follow because, like you just said, the angles were awful that they were using. They kept cutting around and just it like, felt like a bad version of Forbidden Kingdom with the uh, 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 no Jet Li and uh, Jackie, Jackie Chan. Chan. Yeah. But it, I, it was almost like I was watching like um, a previously on like um, segment for a show. Like that's how the fights felt. Like they were just recapping a fight with like that's quick a really cuts. good that's a really good way to describe it. Yeah, it felt like quick cuts to recap a fight rather than anything being honest. I'm curious. I'm curious, like who commissioned this? Like who directed this? Who thought this was a good idea? The well, sad thing. I, I I was gonna get to that. I want yeah. you to try and guess the only other movie that this director directed. It's with Nicolas Cage. It was after this movie came out. Just oh, try and guess. Please tell me it's the one where he doesn't speak at all. No, that's a great movie. That is a great Willy's movie. Wonderland. No. Willy's Wonderland is a great movie. Yeah, I was going to say, but it felt like this. This felt like a bad version of Willy's Wonderland. This yeah. is where Willy's Wonderland goes wrong. No, um, it was primal. Primal. Yeah. He's uh Nick Cage is like, um, it's kind of like a Joe Exotic sort. It's not. It's not. That. Never even heard of this. Never even heard of this. I'll give you the the log line. This actually looks better. It's got the same rating, pretty much. 4. I know, 9. but it, it. You know what it reminds me of? It looks like that that movie Gold or some crap, like the the one with Matthew McConaughey, where he's like the fat dude who's like oh. struck gold. The the tra- the sorry the poster just reminds me of that stupid pull. Continue. Yeah, but. It's Frank's caught wildlife in the Brazilian jungle, including a 400-pound white jaguar. He ships it on the same ship as an arrested assassin. The assassin breaks free and frees the animals. It's real. This is so sad that Michael Imperioli's in this. I know, right? That just makes me upset. And and Famke Janssen, come on, that's just a bad name for Dutch people. And Kevin Durand as well. This is unfortunate. But to be honest with you, the Outcast movie also had. Like, I mean, Christensen and Nick Cage are strong enough actors that I spent major- the majority of the movie just questioning why they did this. Because mm-hmm. this felt like this felt like um, one of those, you know, direct to Amazon Prime. There's no longer really direct to DVD movies, direct to Amazon Prime pieces of shit that you just don't watch. Direct to Tubi TV. Direct to Tubi TV. Just like that. dilettantes. Check it out while you can. I often feel like Dilettante sits within this realm of movies, but it's better quality, just less famous people. And this is shit quality and famous people. That's true. I would say that Dilettante runs laps around this, though. It actually is. You can actually watch it. <laughs> and it makes sense. And it makes sense. I mean, of- there's some parts of this I didn't mind. Again, every time Hayden Christensen fought, every time he was on screen, I'm a big Hayden Christensen fan. He just he just gets I think he's got a bad agent. Either I think that, he's got a he's got a bad agent for sure. He just gets cast in like the worst shit. But it's like if it's all he's got, it's all he's got. He's someone's got to take a bigger chance on him. I don't know if you watched the Hollywood Roundtable recently, where they with all the actors that have been nominated. But it was like Brendan Fraser, um, Colin Farrell, uh, Austin Butler, like a bunch of people that just like got nominated for awards. And Colin Farrell was talking about how if Martin McDonough didn't take a chance on him with in Bruges, that man's career was going down a bad path. Like he did. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Alexander was terrible. Right. SWAT was pretty bad. The recruit was pretty bad. Like he had started getting these roles that were 
like pretty big movies, but all of them were just not rated really well. And he even told McDonough, he's like, you sure you want me in this? Because like, I come with a certain reputation. Like I do something and then it's bad. But McDonough kind of gave that man an outlet to showcase his career as like an actor. I feel like someone needs to do that at Christensen. The only good part of Obi-Wan, oddly enough, was him. Agreed. You know, it kind of flipped the roles. The student had become indeed the master because I actually thought that Ian McGregor was not so good. <laughs> well, because I just feel like they didn't do much with him. Like that's that was the that was the main problem. It was such a boring show, and they just didn't utilize Obi Wan that much, like in a in a good way. Like no. I'm saying, like they didn't utilize his character in a good Absolutely. way. Absolutely, utilize it in a boring way. But the same thing in this movie. He was the only part that like I actually kind of enjoyed. I did question why Crusaders were in Asia or it, China. It, it did make sense. I mean, I I still think it's a shitty plot point. But it made sense after I watched the beginning. It's just they happened to be crusaders and they both went east afterward. Like yeah. that's literally all it was. Like being a crusader. But then had somehow to do with somehow it he, the fact that they're just like you it just set the tone that they're like warriors. Yeah. But somehow like Hayden Christensen finds Nicolas Cage in all of Asia was a little stupid. Yeah, I know. Well, he was trying to find him, I guess. I, I know, mean, but you could spend your whole life trying to find him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think. And now the, the attention I paid to a lot of the dialogue was uh, very minimal, but I think he had a tip on where he was. Uh, I also spent a lot of the movie questioning how they were communicating with each other. What, like English to Chinese? Yeah, meaning like did... Christensen and Nick Cage learned Chinese or did all No, the... they had a translator. Oh, kind of like Guardians One of the Galaxy. Divide. Yeah. See, like the movies like that just is why I never liked them. This is just a shittier, less uh less uh funded great wall with Matt Damon, if I'm That's honest. That's exactly what I thought, especially because the leads are white. Yeah, and it takes and place it, in China. This is why, like, those movies don't appeal to me at all. Because when you start breaking down the lore of all all of it, it just none of it makes sense to me. Unless they lean into the campiness of it, like Forbidden Kingdom, where Jackie Chan just starts speaking English randomly because he's like, because you're not listening, and they make a joke out of the fact that they can't understand yeah. each other, so now they just can. But um, which also that movie makes very little sense when you kind of break down the lore. Yeah. So really, much of it just doesn't make any sense. It's ridiculous, but it's fun. It's fun. And they know it's ridiculous. And honestly, it's just a vehicle for Jet Li and Jackie Chan to fight for the first time on camera. So we <laughs> didn't care. This yeah, was this was like they thought they were making fucking Troy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how either people would be convinced to do this. Like, what was the budget on this movie? But I'm Nick, curious. But the thing is, like Nick Cage, you know, is known for just taking kind of almost any role offered to him. Probably to pay off his penalties for avoiding his taxes. The and Hayden Christensen oh is God. just trying so hard to like get roles. So this is True. the role he got for the year and he had to take it. I'm sure he had fun making it. You get to run around in a sort of sandals flick where <laughs> it's a sword and sandals <laughs> flick where the director probably goes like, ah, eh, fuck it. We got that one. It's good enough. Like there's no actual real work put in. So do I have to work with a dialect coach or like, do I have to like, you know, learn the culture. Nah, not really. Oh yeah, get, dude. His his Scottish accent was bad too. 
Yeah, this was this was a director that his whole motto for this movie was like, "Yeah, fuck it, what are we doing right now?" Like, <laughs> yeah, like, we're on set, sir. Do I need to get a haircut that will match the time and period that we're going to be playing? And nah, not really. Do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. No, now he goes. Oh yeah, hold on, let me help you. <laughs> All right, you're good. Looking good, dude. How old? Yeah, just... did you did you notice that Hayden Christensen went in and out of a Scottish accent the entire yeah, time? The whole movie, yeah, of course, yeah. Like very I, specific I, words he'd hit it, and then afterward, it was just like he was Anakin. I think the, I think the, my favorite part was like whoever came up with the idea: how are we gonna make like it clear that time passed? And Nick Cage has been living in Asia for a while. Oh, we'll just give him a little man bun and give him one of those hairstyles that looks a lot like all the other characters, and a scar on his eye. And a scar on his eye. Yeah, time's passed. They can't even recognize him. The unnecessary scene where the older brother war hero, or not hero, I guess, war villain, is just shirtless in the yard (laughs) and like talking to his generals. The only time that Dom and I looked up at the TV, like, damn, he's ripped. Unnecessarily ripped for this. I thought that was unnecessary. And the forced romance between uh, Jacob christensen's character and the daughter of the emperor part of me wants to keep researching this movie because i almost cannot believe that the director saw that and thought nick cage's accent was good i think he must have just either pussied out from telling nick cage not to do something bad because it's nick cage and how do you tell him not to do something or he just honestly thought this is going to be funny and he was trying to make a comedy and nobody really picked up on it so you approved of the underage romance no the underage oh sorry i just blew past that because i didn't even realize she was underage i did not pay attention that much yeah they're like children (laughs) how old is that girl well, the actress is probably old enough, but like her character gotta be like under 18, like maybe even like 14 so. or 15. I don't, they looked young. Well, let's put it this way compared to him, big difference. I, I didn't think she was that young. I thought that she was like his older sister. They're like yeah. the same age. Not Christensen. Christensen's uh, like four years older than her in real life. In real, uh, well, she's definitely supposed to be young. They both. They're just supposed to be like children in this. That's weird. I didn't. Rec- I didn't pick up on that. Honestly, I thought that she was probably like the older brother, like around you know twenty, yeah. and Christensen was probably like twenty five or something. There's unfortunately it was not un- enough- it was uncalled for, regardless of what the age difference was. I thought it was just poorly executed. I didn't even really yeah, pick up but- that they were having any sort of relationship feelings for each other until like they stood by a fire or something and well, started kissing. There was like two scenes before that where they like look at each other and like this like soft music's playing and i just said to myself don't let them kiss just don't do it and the two scenes later it happened ah oh my god i'm on the wikipedia right now unfortunately there's not a lot of information on the production i kind of just want to know why that's the only question i'm trying to answer the only Production note is in 2013, the film was officially announced on the Archlight Film website. Principal photography started in Yunnan Province, China. Oh, so it was actually filmed in China. Uh, I got a fun fact for you. 
When released in Hong Kong, the film was met with criticism at the prominence of white saviors over the Asian protagonist. As a result, despite protests from producers, it was never released on DVD. It's never been released on DVD. In Hong Kong. Interesting. I also can completely see the white savior problem. Well, yeah. Why do these random ass crusaders, one who was like, seemed to be drunk all the time, and the other one is a psychopath. Like, how are they responsible for saving the kingdom of China? A good movie that does the opposite of white savior saviorism is the 13th warrior warrior with Antonio Banderas. Have you ever seen that? No. It's about a, uh, I think, I think it's the Ottoman Empire, but he's playing an Arab who comes to the Norse, like Norse uh, culture to like Scandinavia. And he lives and works with a bunch of like big brutish like Vikings and teaches them better ways because the, uh, was it the, how old is the Ottoman Empire? It must've been the Ottoman Empire, but like they basically teach them science and culture and all those things, Hmm. but it's still technically whitewashing because Antonio Banderas is from Spain and he's playing a dude from like Turkey. Hmm. Which is strange because at that time, I'm pretty sure that the Ottoman Empire had Spain in their their kingdom. So they could have just made that make sense. They decided not to. Eh, why bother? A little tangent. <laughs> it's a, based off a true story, apparently. Apparently, but I'm not sure. I got another fun fact for you on this movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. In 2014, producer Jeremy Bolt announced plans for a sequel. <laughs> oh, my God. What could that possibly be about? Yeah. Uh, one thing I did not understand, and maybe because I didn't pay enough attention to the end, I thought like everybody died except the kid, like the boy. And then all of a sudden we see them all alive again. No, no, they, the girl died. But then we saw her again with Hayden Christensen. Maybe he was dreaming it. I thought she died. He, I, bur- he buries her. I know. That's what I thought. Maybe then- it was just a poorly executed like vision. And then um, she was in the end, like after she died. I thought he died too, honestly, but I guess he didn't. I know Nick Cage died. Nick Cage is actually very, not very prominent in this film. Like he's barely in it, probably because they couldn't afford him. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say that. Do you know, do you know what the budget is? No. $25 million. So he was probably about, what, the screen time? 15 million? You think so? <laughs> I don't know. No, definitely not. He, there's no way. But he, he definitely cut into it where they were like, whoa, we'll give you the poster. <laughs> it holds an approval rating of 4.4%. Uh, That's high. Jesus. Jesus. How is that better than Pluto Nash? This is better than Pluto Nash. <laughs> it might be the same rating, I think. How have we not done a podcast on Pluto Nash? We did. Oh, no. Did? Pluto Nash is at 5%. Our we did do a pleasure pod- episode. Oh, yeah. You're so right. You're so, I completely forgot. We've been doing this for a while, dude. Almost three years. Yeah. Almost. I um, know. Uh, two and a half years. That's crazy. Yeah, you're right. We did, the, we did that podcast already. Um, 3.8%. That's such a shame. Pluto Nash is really underrated. It is. Because that, that movie, it's bad. But at least it's enjoyable. Yeah, this was like just not even enjoyable. watching it. This is just ass. 
Yeah, this is this is like a film student who decided to start his career with action and didn't really think about how that's a really dumb thing to do. Like you should start with a simpler genre and work your way up to action because action's really hard to pull off when you have Marvel the Marvel universe and John Wick's in the world. Like you really yeah. think you're going to make a good action movie when people have hundreds of millions of dollars to spend on action movies? You're sadly mistaken. Although maybe I should re- retract that because paper tiger is a fucking awesome movie and that was made for like a million bucks that's true but that is kung fu true rather than you know the need of time period clothing and weaponry and all that shit yeah be smart about having a budget to have like a believable semi-believable army with you be smart about it how many how many uh um drafts of the script do you think exist like one or two he wrote one one draft they had i think they had one the first draft was saying that the crusades took place in china and then someone was like <laughs> you know that's not even remotely accurate right it's a like, good point and then he cha- and then he added that little time lapse thing <laughs> Let's look up uh, the writer. And we never, we always look up the director. We never look up the writer. All right, here we go. Uh, he's known for, wow, he's got quite a bit of writing, but okay. The director has quite a bit of accolades, not accolades, but um, credits too outside of directing. Like stunt, he does a lot of stunt coordinating. I could see that. I mean, like some he of this did the was the RRR bad. movie. No way. Yeah, I mean, I can see that the movie did not have bad fight scenes. The editing was bad, but the fights and like this, no, but the actual stunt coordination, like when Hayden jumps off the roof, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, All right. We got Sinbad, the TV series. This guy wrote Um, the Musketeers TV show outcast, the movie Wallander Beowulf return of the shield lands TV series, Medici, the TV series, and then dangerous. Is that Medea? No, the Medici is like a, a yeah, I know. the Medici, sorry, Medici, the Medici, I mean. Um, and then he's writing a show called Dangerous Liaisons or uh, Liaison Dangereux. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in other words, uh, not known for his writing. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Well, you consider Let's- him the upper echelon. Shall we read what Glenn Kenny said about this movie? Yeah, he's my boy. All right. He works at robertebert.com. Uh, he centered his review on the performances, primarily that of Nicolas Cage. Of it, he said it marked a career shift from Cage's entertainingly eccentric phase into his genuinely befundling, befuddling and perhaps sad phase and noted his peculiar peculiar of course, near British accent. He also criticized Hayden Christensen's performance as lifeless. <laughs> oh my god! It was lifeless. That's why I don't. Lifeless. See, I, that's why I don't get how you could possibly think he was better in this than Life as a House because he actually gave a great dramatic performance. In Life I mean, as a I wasn't really kidding. I'm kidding. Like, I, I feel like think so, man. You, no, here's what I think. Life like is your a, father. Honestly, this is the type of movie I imagine my dad very much enjoying. See exactly. Um, no, I think obviously he performed better in Life of as a House, but just Life as a House wasn't profound enough of a film to make me care about it. So therefore, the genre is just less interesting. 
You know, like if I'm going to feel something, I need something on the level of Manchester by the sea for me to look at that drama and be like, my God, that was fucking amazing. Whereas Life as a House was just a movie. Yeah, it was just a movie. This was a bad movie, though. This was, yeah. I do think there is a world in which I see this being a good movie. Like if it came out at a different time period, like this is like the writing wasn't terrible if you like said it in like, you know, if this was made in like the 60s or 70s or something. I just think in the modern day, it just doesn't hold the water, you know? Or do you I'm, disagree? No, I thought the writing was pretty terrible. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I'm completely it's, off. It's certainly a concept that, no, I'm not even going to say it's a concept that would work because I don't like the fact that crusaders are escorting like, like royalty Chinese children to safety and protecting the kingdom. Like that's just a off the wall idea that like shouldn't exist. I guess you're right. It's just so outlandish. Right. It did make me think Outcasters. of another it did make me think of another Nick Cage movie, um, Season of the Witch. Did you ever see that? Uh I know it, but I haven't seen it. I remember as a kid enjoying that, but the same way I enjoy like Van Helsing and stuff. It's mainly because Ronnie Perlman's in there, and who doesn't like Ronnie Perlman? True, true. No. I don't remember if uh, Nick Cage was doing an accent in that one. Right. Well, we can assume. And also, like, if I'm looking at the photos right now. If you Google the picture, uh, like, Season of the Witch, and then just, like, images, or I did Ron Perlman Season of the Witch, it just looks better filmed. Like a shitty movie, but looks like it's better quality filmed. Oh, yeah. Wow. Right? Like way better. Yeah. Better like, color grading. Exactly. Like it actually looks like a movie. I feel like what we just watched was barely a homemade film. Yeah. Very overexposed. It felt like too, like drown, like drowned out and bland, but then like, but also somehow overexposed. Yeah. Sort of like, yeah, I completely agree. Overexposed, oversaturated. It really felt like the color grading was fixing bad lighting, which is always a bad thing yeah true yeah don't go watch this movie guys no save yourself and now, on it now you mentioned that this movie like gives you the vibes of something that bruce willis would have done yeah now there's a movie that came out three years later starring bruce willis and hayden christensen called first kill oh yeah i did hear about that movie <laughs> and uh well let's just i guess he did the full circle he did the Nick Cage straight to DVD and the Bruce Willis straight to DVD movies. Oh my God. Poor guy. He's just kind of like an, like we need young people in these bad movies. So he's become that guy. And I feel bad for him. I do too. So I was thinking about this while watching it or giving myself something to think on that wasn't this movie. Um, and I just wonder, it seems like, um, being in these franchise movies can truly like star wars even even x-men mar all, any marvel thing whatever can truly like make or break your career like if you start with it and that's kind of what happened with him like it was kind of out of his control that the performance was panned like you know we always say it, it was he worked with shitty dialogue and he did what he could with it it's like you know, and then 
people panned him. Some people still like him and root for him like we do. And other people just like wrote him off. And he hasn't been able to land a decent role since. And his career has just been... But meanwhile, Ewan McGregor is praised for Obi-Wan because he did kill it and did a very good job. And he was already well-known before that. And his career just continued to go off. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an, that's actually the most interesting angle about this podcast or about this episode because we picked such a shitty movie. I don't know where that line gets drawn because I feel like the truth is even when the movie's good, take the original Star Wars, for example, it's it's a hit or miss. Like Mark Hamill's career didn't go anywhere. Oh. No. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Sorry. Sorry. As a leading man in like big blockbuster type films, it did not go anywhere. Like you, most people will know the name Luke Skywalker before they know the name Mark Hamill. Right. That's not the same as Harrison Ford. Like, no, and that, that's also what I was thinking of. It's like each of these franchises, like the, the original, the prequels, the sequels, even some, even, you know, stuff outside of Star Wars. There's one guy, there's one actor who gets selected basically amongst like Hollywood to move on to have a successful leading man career. You have Harrison Ford and the prequels, you have Ewan, Ewan McGregor, McGregor and the sequels, you have uh, Oscar Isaac. True. But Oscar Isaac was already famous before those movies. I would say yeah, also so Ewan McGregor, but it didn't kill his career. Like, Ian McGregor a lot of the a lot of the other people who starred in the sequels, like yeah, it, they're still relatively new, so that you guys still got to give them some more time. But they haven't been in it much, if anything, that's that notable as opposed would, to Oscar Isaac. I would argue he survived that, three franchises, two Marvel things, and Star Wars. What was he in Marvel? He's Apocalypse and X Men Apocalypse, and he's and, Moon, and yeah, he's Moon Knight. Moon, Moon Knight, you're right. Um, well, I would argue that Oscar Isaac is actually more famous than Ian McGregor or Harrison Ford was when they started the roles of Star Wars, especially Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford had done American Graffiti and nothing else. And Ian McGregor did Train Spotting, but that's a pretty niche movie if you're not into movies. So yeah. he, re and then 1999, he started Star Wars. So, I mean, really, both those guys were not famous beforehand. They had done movies, but they weren't famous. Oscar Isaac was already in a Coen Brothers movie. He, he he did many films, I think, before he did Star Wars. Like, I recognize that guy's face. He did Ex Machina before he did Star Wars. Like, he was pretty, and that was nominated for an Oscar. Like, that's different, but I get your point. I agree. He's the one guy getting even more famous now. But it's strange. It, the, you're still mentioning niche, just because, like, they spoke out to you. They're still niche movies. That Coen Brothers movie is so under the radar. And Ex Machina is just, like, an indie, like, didn't classic. He do, didn't he do X-Men before he did Star Wars as well? Uh, it was, like, the year after The Force Awakens. But so then Force Awakens wasn't really a factor. Look, my point is, you're right. He wasn't as famous as he is now. But he had been still, he still had a stronger career than McGregor or Ford before Star Wars. Like nobody I think would argue that Ford and McGregor benefited from Star Wars launching them into stardom. Like they didn't have anything before that, right? Oscar Isaac could have continued on that train. He had like plenty of movies in his uh, under his belt. But anyways, your point is totally right. And I'm curious where that line gets drawn because even in better um, fantasy or better blockbuster sort of films like, like Lord of the Rings, 
Lord of the Rings is fantastic. And yet a lot of those guys in those movies don't have big careers afterwards. I think sometimes it's because you have to fill a niche, right? Like if you're good at playing a hobbit, that doesn't necessarily make you good at playing a leading man. Um, but it's all, it also depends. Like I, feel, I always felt like people like Elijah Wood, Daniel Radcliffe, and Robert Pattinson, just straight up in Mark Hamill. They didn't really want to be um, typecast in that way and just kind of fled to find their own niche. Like 100%. Elijah Wood, like all of them except Mark Hamill, because he's just had a fantastic career as a voice actor. Um, they've recently kind of found their way and have like made yeah. good names for themselves in their in their own unique light now. It looked for a while like Orlando Bloom was gonna make that sort of jump. But then he did another franchise. Yeah, but that franchise I think was a, a good testament that he was going to be a leading man. The problem is, and I've I've read up or at least I've watched a few film essays on this. The problem with his performances is like Legolas is such a quiet, docile character that he doesn't get his time to shine as much as like Aragorn, who is truly the star. And True. then next to Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean, he almost had no chance. They yeah. kind of wrote his character to be a standard straight man character next to Johnny Depp's outlandish pirates. And so he kind of got screwed. Like he didn't get a lot of depth to perform with in that, in those movies. Well, even, even compared to, you know, Elizabeth, like she, she had mo more going for her, and in terms of a character, like he was, he really was the straight man to compare to both of them. Yeah, they, he had le the least amount of development out of all of them. Like actually, nothing really had developed for that guy, yeah. right? And that's kind of sad. But so yeah, where does that line kind of draw from? Even if the movies are better, like Christensen, like it, it, he got screwed because those prequel films are just so poorly written like it's no guarantee that his career would have launched off at all. You know, he might have a better chance now because of the Obi-Wan show that he gets some, like some revival, but it also feels like in Hollywood nowadays, people really like that comeback story. That could have been something that always existed, but we just didn't recognize it as much because we were younger. Think like John Travolta and Pulp Fiction. Like the right. guy had a terrible career in the eighties and then he gets revitalized by Tarantino in the nineties. People do like that comeback story. So we saw it with Keanu Reeves. We see it with Nick Cage all the time. You know, who knows? Maybe that is like Christensen, his chance to, after this show, maybe he's got some things in the, in the pipeline. I, I would, I would love that. Me too. I mean, let's just mm -hmm. check really quick. Does he got anything going on? Not that I'm aware of. I think he might be in the, uh, the it's Star Wars, but the Ashoka series. Oh, out. yeah, that makes sense. I mean, look, even if his whole revitalization is just through Star Wars, that's fine. Upcoming like, is, um, yeah, just Ahsoka. He's got nothing else. Ahsoka. That's so sad. That's like, um, wow, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, he played Boba Fett. Or sorry, Jango Fett. And then he played Boba Fett. Oh, man. Show. What is that guy's uh, name? Tamora. Tamira, Tamara Morrison, Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. So like, obviously that's what he's, he's known for being Django and he's known for revoicing Boba Fett and the yeah. recut and then voicing all the clones. Like that's kind of it. He did a couple things. He was, a, he was one of the characters in Moana. That's kind of about it. And then they made a grand comeback with him just being Boba Fett. 
in the Mandalorian, and then they made the show. And the show, stinky. Yeah. I wish better for Hayden Christensen. It got me on a train now to look up like what Orlando Bloom's been doing. Being married to Katy Perry. He did a show called Carnival Row that got some good reviews. Oh, that's true. With Emma Watson. Yeah. And he also did a movie uh, called The Outpost that I watched that was actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. I wanted to see that. It was pretty good, actually. It wasn't bad. So, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like, this was definitely not the movie I would suggest to watch if you want to see good Christensen performances. But and it, if you did want to go on Tubi TV and did want to throw a movie on, why not throw on Dilettantes? Yeah, that's <laughs> plug our own project. You'll enjoy it far more. It's a better I time. promise. Yes, 100%. This movie almost made me not like Nick Cage. It wasn't even good performance. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, so. was, I was just sick of it all. Truly. Yeah, I'm sick of this podcast. Let's sign off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. China now. Save the country. <laughs> Take me with you. Or you find me on a mountaintop. Yeah. We'll do. All right. Come to me like pigs, flies, non pigs' ass, or whatever the line was. <laughs>